With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. At the Home Depot, we improve things. This holiday season, we've improved Black Friday. Instead of one day of crazy, we've lowered prices now and they'll stay low all season. From decorations to dishwashers, wreaths to ratchet sets. So sleep in. You're not going to miss Black Friday. Not one little bit. Black Friday improved. The best prices of the year already here at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only Wasp buys last. See store for details. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a catch attack. It's a new dropper. And now Kitty in the middle. Dropper catch. Stretch it. Stretch it. Mix it on when you do. Stretch it. Stretch it. And Didier dropper has. Dropper in the centre. McCoy just came from the ground and was four wide. Bleak as this. Hello, welcome to Chelsea Hour. My name is Meads, and I'll be your host for this one. Um, join my three very special guests. We've got Dan Soft in the building. What are you saying? What's up, bro? How you doing? Yeah, I can't complain. I can't complain. Jay, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm all good, man. Can't complain. Yeah. Shemi, what's happening? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Please, please refrain from leaning back because we don't want to see that Barcelona top, especially after, <laughs> especially after 09. I don't, I'm, I'm disgusted, but hey, hey, yeah. I mean, he's wearing the op shirt. If there's <laughs> any European ops, it's Barcelona. Oh, I don't know what oh, man, man is on today. I don't know what man is on today. <laughs> hey, I got the most kits here, and I've seen some wavy Barcelona kits. I would never, ever. You can't, ever, bro. You ever. can't. After Iniesta, there's no way. After um, a, a few, impossible. I just can't. I ain't saying that. <laughs> no more. No more. In fact, you're on a five-minute ban. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've got quite a few things to cover, man. Um, it's been an interesting couple of well, days um, 
for us. Obviously, we played two games since the last podcast. I guess we have to start with Southampton. Um, Dan, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this. Because um, you've been pretty vocal um, in regards to, I guess, Chelsea's setup and how we play and generally how you think our attacking composition's been. Um, but what do you think? And how, yeah, what do you think of the, of the game, I guess? Of the game, um, we played amazing football, some, some amazing football first half, mm. one touch football first half. Havertz was involved in it, it was all good. We all thought that like, this is why we spent the money. Yeah. We thought it was coming together. Yeah. However, obviously, we know how it went. Long story short, it was similar to if we, we take our minds back to the Spurs game um, in the Carabao Cup. When we started the first half, it was great. And then the manager made the change and we couldn't, we couldn't resolve it. Mm. And I think, again, the second half, again, we played off the pitch. They had so many chances. Kepa was in goal. It's a madness to me they didn't even beat us. Do you know what I'm saying? With Kepa in goal. You know what? Uh, you know what? When we talk about personnel... We always talk about individuals. And when, when Lampard talks about individuals and individual errors, we always kind of turn our nose up at it because it is a bit annoying. Um, but you can't account for Kepa. Um, Kepa is an anomaly. Uh, he's one of those players. He's got a player that you realise, you think, okay, you know what? If he's on your team, anything can happen. Anything. And it's anything, usually anything being bad. It's not anything good. You know what I mean? No. You know, you're, you're handicapped. You're handicapped. And that's why when people talk about, oh, but you can't do anything, it's Kepa. I'm like, well, you can't. Just just don't pick him. Just don't pick him. It's so yeah, strange. It's but anyway. But, uh, but, but also, let's remember, Peter Czech is in the squad. Um, so, uh, we'll talk on that so later he, on. We'll talk yeah, so he may on. not get picked in the future. But we'll yeah, talk so, on that later on and what that means for the club, got, what that means for the squad. So, so quickly, on the Southampton game, in fact, quickly on Kepa, he actually made some saves that game. So I'm saying it could have been worse. Like, the bar is low. I know the bar is low, but he made some yeah. saves that game. Some um, okay-ish saves, bro. Yeah. So you asked me about the setup, and my, I think what you was alluding to is I don't necessarily think we need four attackers. Mm. Um, the, the past couple of games, obviously, Mount is a big topic. He's played left wing. And I think both of the games, like, okay, he worked hard, but I don't think you can think about, okay, yeah, Mount did this in the, in the Southampton game, or... Mount did that. Like, Pulisic had great moments. Havertz had great moments. Werner always kind of runs in behind. He's always like, he can get shots off even when there's no time. But I think with Mount, it's like, okay, what are you adding apart from, you know, working hard? And so, like, for me, I'm thinking, especially the way I see Pulisic, Havertz and Werner combined, I'm thinking, okay, you can just literally play these three as attackers. Ziyech will come later, but I'm saying right now, you could literally play these three as attackers Play free in midfield to make you a little bit more solid because the Southampton game, I watched it again, and it wasn't just the second half that Southampton had chances. They had, they had chances in the first half as yeah. well. So I think there's still a lot of work to be done with this Chelsea team. It, it, it's funny because whenever we talk about our midfield composition, again, we are always concerned. Whether it's Kante and Kovacic, whether it's Kante, Jorginho, whether it's Jorginho and Kovacic, we always feel like, look, if people start applying pressure, it's a problem. In that double pivot, if people start applying pressure, it's very, very difficult to stop the flow and stem the flow, considering that you're pretty much playing with four attackers. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's really, really poor. Jay, you know, we always talk about the 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. Um, but even aside from, you know, how we deal with pressure, how we deal with um, teams coming onto us, 
what were the certain things that you were disappointed with um, in that 3-3 draw against Southampton more than anything? <laughs> I was stressed. <laughs> I, watched it, I watched it today, innit? I only finished watching it like about 20 minutes ago. And um, like when I was watching the first half, again, like what Dan said, to echo what Dan said, like we played some crazy, crazy football, like proper good on the eye, um, good end product, like decision making was there. It just, it all looked good. I think what for me, the point of in terms of um, in the midfield was just we were sloppy on the ball that like, first half. Like, like even though we were good in the first half, there was a lot of times Kante was like he was winning the ball, but then the, the pass afterwards, oh my god! Like he must have four or five times he must have given it straight back to Southampton, and then Jorginho as well, who's been working his socks off. I'm not gonna lie, the last three four games that guy's been working his socks off, bro, and he's been. He's been trying his hardest in the midfield. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie. Like, I, like I'm not. A, I'm not a massive fan. Everybody knows that. But Jorginho's trying his best to do what he can in the midfield to kind of, you know, um, keep control of the game, make sure there's options. He's telling people where to pass the ball. But there's only so much he can that do. he can do if the setup isn't isn't right. Do you know what I mean? And I and I just feel like with Kante and Jorginho at the moment, they're trying to make the best of a bad situation at the moment in terms of in midfield because I feel like they can be told what they're, what they're told by the manager. They can only do what they're told by the manager. And, you know, if Lampard's telling Jorginho to press and, and, and go, like, beyond where he's meant to be, for me, like, he's you see him up near the goalkeeper, you see him on the striker sometimes. Like, he's pressing crazy, but... If he, I don't feel like he's got the ability to even do that. Like, it's, it's cool, he's willing to do it, but in terms of the situation that it puts him in, when, for example, I showed you like, the goal earlier, he's gone to go and press um, Romeu, but the fact is, he's not quick enough to get there. So now he's, he's come out of the space, Romeu's knocked it long, he can't get back. It's, it just looks crazy, bro. Kante as well can't get back. There's not just Jorginho, Kante as well. Kante's struggling to get back bro so I feel I feel like I watched I watched Shay Adams sorry means I watched Shay Adams and um Ings yeah in that attack I kid you not I was watching it for about 20 seconds before I saw Jorginho and Kante come back into the picture yeah scary stuff scary so, stuff so so with that um again so you you you've segued nicely into tactics um you know, everyone, everyone, I guess when Frank first came in, he said, you know, high energy, high work rate, high pressing. And again, that kind of alludes to why Mount, people say Mount's in the team, etc. Do you think, and is it possible that, yes, Frank may want this high octane, high energy, high pressing game. Is it just not clear for everyone to see that we just don't have the players to do what he wants? You know what I mean? Is, is it not clear? Because I'm looking at Jorginho press up against Romeo. Press up against Vestergaard. Press up. I'm, I'm thinking, what is going on? Yes, in certain instances, it's good in a sense that you pen, your te- a pe- pen a team in. But when you've got a team, against, especially against a team like Southampton, who can really play, and they could play around your press very, very comfortably, you're in deep trouble. You're in deep, deep trouble. Um, Shemi, again, back to structure, back to team organisation. Um, I find it quite difficult to, to criticise Jorginho. Again, like Jay said, um, especially in that game, he, he tried his hardest. He played. Really, I thought he played quite decently. 
um, and he was trying his best to hold the midfield together. Um, but again, structure. Shemi, what are your thoughts on, on the game and I guess how we let that, the match slip? Yeah, so um, in terms of how we let the match slip, again, individual errors, that speaks for itself. We already know about that. But um, yeah, game management, man. Our game management is just, it's just seriously lacking right now. And for me, um, I'm looking at Lamp- Lampard's game, in-game management a little bit. And I'm thinking he could have... So, for example, the Reese James um, substitution, I felt could have come a bit sooner. So, I think I believe he brought Reese James on around the 80th minute. Personally, I would have brought him around about 10 minutes sooner because um, after we got the goal, things were a bit flat. And I feel like Havertz... I, don't, I feel like Havertz was, a, was, a, was wavering a little bit towards the end because he mashed a lot of work during the game. Um, so, I would have brought Reese James on a little bit sooner just to sharp up the field a little bit more. And also, one thing I noticed as well is that um, after we um, went back in front with Havertz's goal, I feel like the game just went a bit flat. Like, both sides just it kind of went flat for a little bit until um, Southampton obviously got the equaliser at the end. And I feel like um, a, um, a change in attacks, I would have taken off um, Pooley for Hudson just to inject a bit more life into into the game. And Because, you know, Hudson's going to come, he's going to take on um, a 1v1, he's going to dribble, he's going to inject a bit of life into the game in general on the ball. So I feel like that would have been a nice change as well, just to um, kind of inject a bit of life into the game and kind of just make sure we don't um, go in, fall into the, that trap of going through the phases, if you know what I'm trying to say, and actually make sure we manage the situation properly, uh, which we weren't able to do, unfortunately. So, yeah, man, I felt like um, he could have made those substitutions a bit quicker. Um, I feel like, um, obviously, on the, on the goal, we've, we've reached James, give away a far. But another thing I've noticed as well is that I feel like we give away too many silly free kicks in wide areas. I feel like every single game, we, we can't go through a game without giving like, at least two to three wide free kicks all the time. And it just puts pressure on us all the time, every single time. Because we're, and we're not even the best at defending set pieces. So we need to iron that out, like, ASAP. Even, it was, even the game um, against um, the Champions League, um, against, I remember, he'd be played Seville. Yeah. Um, we gave them a couple of wide free kicks, which was dangerous. Mendy had made a really good save. So, yeah, something we need to cut out, man, in terms of game management and just really make sure we're able to, to go through um, games with the lead because we can't, we can't make it a thing where we have to score four to win a game. It's not acceptable. Yeah, I feel like, um, I guess, Hacking Z actually, he made his, he made his debut, Premier League debut, and his long-awaited return from injury um, as a sub-appearance. But I felt like he even said that he alluded to it. Timo Werner alluded to it. Havertz alluded to it. We can't... We, in Germany, obviously, defence... They said how... I think Werner said in, in Germany, defences win titles, defences win games. Um, and he's like, we just can't go through games winning, like, scoring three goals. And it doesn't work like that. And it just seems like... He seemed... Uh, the thing that I love about Werner... He's a very honest person. He's very a realist, and he, he he just keeps it real. He can't help but keep it real. You know what I mean? Um, that's a refreshing character. That's why I really like him. Um, mm. But you could see he's so frustrated with what he's seeing, and I think he I think personally, maybe it's a bit too soon for me to say, but I'm not sure he really rates what he's seeing over here. <laughs> I don't think he does. But me, don't forget. He's come from the Bundesliga. Yeah. We know this league, know the league. is the league to go to, to see goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To see the fourth pause. And even him from the Bundesliga has come here as like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, That's so crazy. It's, mad. It's, it's mad. And to be fair. Exactly. It's mad for him to come with that league is mad open. To come here and say, rah, it's the yeah. same thing. It's the same shit. Rah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? He must have been rah. This is, this is calm. It's cat. And to be fair, after the West Brom game, he did mention how... Um, 
that like it was it was tough coming up against um their physical defenders. He mentioned how like Lewis Dunk and them like they were quite physical, it was tall, it was yeah. a bit different for him. So yeah. he did mention that, you know, in that sense, it's yeah. a bit more you know, tough. But you know, I agree with you at the same time. You know what it is with Werner though? I think with Werner, yeah, what he's seeing, yeah, is is the mistakes, bro. Cause you know in Bundesliga, there'll be like eight goals, but there'll all be mad goals like bopping man off the pitch, like mm. gaps and all sorts and free balls and that. But my man seeing that took it back to, to Kepa, Kepa sliding over it. He's thinking, nah, bro, like I'm not running past three man banging bottom corner for you to be doing that nonsense. But see, Jermaine, quickly on on that, when you think about Mies was talking about earlier, we talk we do the high press and that's as a means to make chances. Yeah. Goal. It wasn't through a high ingenuity from Werner. Or it was through a long ball from Jorginho. Or yeah. it was through them playing the ball through the middle for the third goal. Now, what was interesting is after the game, Lampard came out and said, game management. He wanted people to do longer balls up um, at the end just to keep it through. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what? I was watching the game, yeah, and even the commentator said it. He said, ah, why is Chihuahua pumping the... Just Why does he keep on doing long balls? I'm sure at this point in the game, Lampard would want him to keep the ball because it keeps on coming back the other way. So, like, even Lampard... Go on, Mead. It's so frustrating because I think he's just talking crap. I think he's just trying to deflect away from his instructions that were failing. Because he wanted... If he's saying that he wanted them to pump the ball... For me, if you're trying to manage a game, you try and get Mm. your foot on the ball and retain the ball. All they were doing was launching it. They were launching it. Yeah. All they were launching it. So how is he saying? And then he says after the game, "Oh, I wanted to get in behind a bit more, or launch it a bit more." What are you saying? Like, he really loves deflecting. He loves it. Doesn't it. make any sense, bro. Like that's what I'm trying to say. The deflection. Lampard deflected shots. He loves it, bro. Lampard through his career, loves of deflected shots, and that's <laughs> that's his management. The maddest thing is, management. was Mr. Deflector. Kovacic wasn't on the bench game, innit? Yeah, no, I wasn't. He, he wasn't, was he? Mm. Yeah, but like um. Because that would have been interesting to see if he would if he did change that to a. But, three, but then Mount, Mount isn't a winger. No, but that's what I was gonna say. The thing is, he's always talking about how fit Mount is, yeah, and he can run forever and all of this nonsense. He can play like five hundred fifty games in in a flipping row and that. So why not play Mount in centre mid? Give us a little bit more legs. Protect fucking Jorginho, bro, who's been working his socks off the whole yeah. flipping game. Yeah, I you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Dealing with Shea Adams and Ings dropping yeah. deep to come and press him as well because they know. That, that's a quick good point. Uh, again, Southampton played two strikers. If we remember last season, Duncan Ferguson against Everton, where he put um, Richarlison and what's his Tabu. name up front? Exactly. And DCR up front. But also Sheffield United. Do you remember when we played their two strikers? Yeah. For some reason, when we're playing against two strikers, I'm worried, especially in this 4 2 3 1. I'm worried because they play right in between the defence and the two in the pivot. And when the ball comes in, into them, then it's, it's, it's open. The thing is, as well, these, these teams yeah, that we're playing now, and a lot of the teams in the Premiership now that are, that are doing the pressing game and that, yeah, they're doing it, especially the, 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 the teams at the lower end of the table and that, yeah. No disrespect to any of them. But, like, they, they, when they're coming up against a big team, they're, they're so selfless, bro, in a way mm-hmm. where Shea Adams don't even think about scoring first. He's yeah. thinking about pressing the shit out of the team, making sure that they lose the ball. Danny Ings is the same. Um, but the thing is, they've got the quality. Because it is the Premier League, they've got the quality that when a mistake is made, we're going to get punished, bro. 
Yeah. We're going to get punished. And this is, this is the thing that Lampard is not getting. I, he's not thinking about cutting out the mistakes first. He's thinking, like, I want to play my way. I want to do it my way. Like, we're going to press. I'm going to I'm gonna stick with the way I'm playing. Mount left, press, press, press. But it's like, bro, you're not, like, <laughs> perfect the team first. Perfect yeah. it, bro. It like, is- it's not Salah Romane, bro. It is funny because we talk about, you know, managers having to adapt and adaptability being important. And um, mm-hmm. interesting, one of the best things about Frank Lampard last season, I'd say, is that his willingness to adapt if things weren't really yeah. working. Um, this season, it seems like he's gone the complete opposite way, which is mm. frustrating to see. Mm. And I mean, it's like um, there's a, a real stubbornness to, to his decision making. And his behaviours um, in comparison to last season. Last season, I didn't think he was quite stubborn at all. I think he was maybe sometimes too hes- too quick to change things in terms of formation, yeah, in terms of um, patterns. Mm. But mm. this season, I think he's persisting in a way where he's got his players now. So he thinks... I was uh, just going to say that. You know yeah. I mean? He's thinking, you yeah, know what? I was going to ask you you think it's because he's got the superstars in that? I think it's because he thinks, I've got my players now, so I'm going to persist this way. And eventually, because my, my brain works so amazingly, eventually this is going to work. <laughs> eventually this is going to work. This is, how, this is what I see. This is how I see. This is facts, though. This is facts because he's got the superstars now, yeah? And, it, and he's using it as an excuse to, to, to shoehorn man in that. The thing is, this is the maddest thing. They're going to think like, right, Chelsea are getting onto Mount Heavy. But we're, we're Mount's biggest fans in a way where when he's playing centre mid, we're, we're, we're loving that. We're cool with that. But when you're when you're playing a man left wing for a player who is not some fringe, no, do you get what I'm saying? I'm talking about Pulisic. I'm talking about Hudson, who's been fit the whole season. From game, he's been fit. Mm. He's been working. He's got ability. He's a big, big threat in terms of he's got pace. He's got skill. One v one. He's a demon. Do you know what I mean? Like so, you've got this player sitting on the bench, but yet you've gone to go and get a player that is not good one v one. He's not good one v one. He hasn't got one any sort of, of, of um, winger's instinct. Like, the first thing Mount would do is probably cut in to either pass it mm. or if he can try and get a shot off, he will. But how many shots has Mount got off since playing left wing since, like, start of the season? Mm. Are any, bro? It's interesting. Mount? When we talk about Mount, yeah, um, I feel like we... I feel like people misconstrue the criticism of to play Mount wide rather mm. than playing Mount. Yeah. I'm not yeah. against playing Mount. I've always been in favour of Mount being in midfield. I really, that's, for me, I've always said, Mason Mount should play midfield, he should play midfield, he should play midfield. Because I feel like, where you can get the benefit, every every benefit that you think that you'll get um, out wide, you get it in midfield. Because he's his, his ability to break lines, his ability to press well in better areas is a lot better, a lot more efficient than doing it out wide. It doesn't make any sense to me, gen- genuinely. And again, when you lack the attacking thrust of a winger, you're almost playing with 10 men. You're literally almost playing with 10 men because I don't think he'd bring, bring in much. I mean, he'll give you small, small, small moments of quality because he's a good player. Mason Mount's a good player. You know, you, you get decent bits of quality, but it's, it's, I just don't understand you playing him wide. It just... You take so much away from him. It's almost like we've repeated ourselves quite a number of times on this. You you take so much away from him as a player playing in wide. You take so much out of his game as a player playing in wide. So this whole notion of forcing him in, that we've been saying it for ages. It's not like we hate the guy. We don't hate the guy. 
But we saw this coming. We saw what this was. You know what I mean? Dan especially said, look, Mount is going to get forced in regardless of whether you see it. And I was like, well, yeah, but it can't be wide. There's no way you'll force him wide. If you're going to force him, fine. Play him in a 10, play Havertz wide, whatever. I did not envision Mount being forced into a 4-2-3-1 out wide. I didn't envision that at all. I saw it last season, Man United, the first game. (laughs) I saw it just because from the story of preseason, it was like, okay, cool. From what we've all watched, you play Barkley 10, you know, maybe Mount wide because at that point, that's where he was playing. But he just said, no, fuck it. I'm going to do this. And so when you're talking about like Lampard trusting in his own brain, to be fair, when you're a manager, you have to do that. I'm happier, like compared to last season where it was just changing things, changing formation. Oh, let's go 3-4-3. Three, three. I'm happier that he's doing it my way, that he's doing the Frank Sinatra thing. Because really and truly, look, Lampard could get sacked. Roman's not a patient man. And he, he can't kind of second-guess himself at this point. He spent too much money, all right? If he believes in Mount and that Mount has to play even though it's on the wing, he has to do that. Now, obviously, as we're critical, we're going to still criticise that. But at the same time, I, what I don't want him to do is become Lampard of old season in terms of Tinker Man. I'm changing the formation. I'm doing this now. I'm just throwing mud so it sticks. Because, yeah, the four-two-three-one is what he's bought players for. He's, he's, he's taken Loftus Cheek, he sent Loftus Cheek out on low. He sent Barkley out on low. We don't really have that many box to box midfielders now. So I don't want to see him just Do you think that's, don't you think that, this is what I was saying. So remember, uh, Shem, I'll, I'll bring you in in a second. But remember when okay. I said, are you, when Lampard took, when he sent Ruben off and Barkley off on loan, I said, Lamps, are you sure this makes sense? Because if there is a point where you recognise that this, because I felt that this four two three one is going to cause us problems, because it, it caused us problems last season when we switched to a three four three and four two and a um, four three three, we looked a lot more, a lot better, a lot better. Every other game we looked better in those formations. It was a four two three one that was always giving us the issue. So I'm not surprised at the teething issues. I'm not surprised at all because I don't like the formation per se. Um, Shemi, uh, <laughs> what? Do you think that the four-three-three is the best way to get all of our players in and comfortable, as well as giving us solidity, or do you think he should stick with a four-two-three-one? Oh no, I hundred percent think four-three-three um, is the way forward. Um, I just feel like we'll have more control in the middle, um, and I just feel like just generally for us to be more solid, that is the way forward. Because obviously, when teams start pressing us, as we saw against Southampton, as we saw in other games as well, I know Blue. Um, alludes to this a lot like when we start getting put under pressure that gets, it just gets stressed like literally and you need that extra man I was watching um, I was watching the Southampton game back here I was watching in the second half I was just I was crying out for habits to just drop just drop a little bit just because just to have that body there it's not even necessarily about the third person having to be like a ball winner or this guy who makes mad, mad tackles it's not even about that it's just generally it's just about shape so when the opposition have the ball and you have that extra man mm-hmm. next to your two central midfielders the spaces are covered you get me so it's not even about having this ball winner or whatever it's literally this is why people that think Havertz can't play CM like it doesn't make sense because it's literally all he has to do not only has he got the work rate but it's not even that his job is, is hard. All he has to do is just be a body and just yeah, be that yeah. two steps and cover the spaces. That it's is. literally that simple. Wow. This is what's funny. Like, this, 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 morning, the this is what's Lampard crazy. The this is what's crazy. This is what's crazy. Frank, exactly. Frank Lampard played in a 4-3-3 all his career, pretty much. All, in, all his career. 
And no one, no one could talk to me about Frank Lampard's defensive work. He was never really a defensive guy. Never really. He chipped in with a little bit of work. Havertz was a lot. Havertz is a lot more hardworking in terms of the defensive side of the game mm-hmm. than Frank Lampard ever was. So why on earth couldn't Havertz play as a four-three-three? I saw Dan's tweet early on that account. Oh yeah, I think the four-three-three is the best way to go. Jorginho at the base with Kante on on left set of centre midfield as a, like a defensive eight, and Havertz as a, an offensive eight, I guess, or as the number eight. People are like, no, oh, you want us to be, you want us to be um, leaking goals? What? <laughs> I said, wait, wait, what? Hold on. We currently play four-two-three-one. In it. Currently have Havertz as a number ten, who's not in a really a defensive area or, or, or a central area, unless it's in the final third. So you're saying that that makes more sense than a four-three-three? What? It just doesn't. And the make funny sense. thing is, yeah, these the same fans here yeah, are the same fans that literally watch City obliterate the league at yeah, 100 points, playing De Bruyne and, and David Silva as two eights. It's literally all about structure and coaching. If you can coach your teams to be in the right places when we don't have the ball, if you can tell them how to press when we don't have the ball, it works. It's really that simple. And this, and this is what's so infuriating. In our best games, we played 4 3 3 last season. We had Barkley and Mount. As the eights, what are you saying? How and defensively, we look solid. I remember against Liverpool, we looked solid. Against, um, I think Spurs. I think yeah, we played Spurs at home. We looked solid. We looked fantastic. It just doesn't make sense. The whole logic that we can't do it and it's too open is a nonsense because we're not our team shape and structure and organization generally, as well as passing options. But, but also, what I'm but also what I'd say is this. There is some function that has to come into it too. In terms of the 4-3, if you want to play Havertz there, you have to understand that actually, remember the Southampton goal, Havertz was trying things in midfield, things are going to break down. There has to be cover. So it's not like, listen, even the 4 3 one look, the 4 2 3 one can work. We've seen Bayern Munich play with 4 2 3 one We've seen Ajax, which in fact we're kind of similar to, because obviously if you think about Ziyech on the right, and then mm. they had BBB, as the 10, yeah. and then they have... What I'm saying, so these mm. can work, but the, the manager has to know, the manager has to know the, the formation intimately to know, okay, off the ball, what do I do to the structure, as Shemi was saying, to protect? So, like, all formations can work. My kind of hesitation is, does Lampard know what to do in the off the ball to protect? Because from what I've seen so far, the answer is no. This is, yeah. like, it's a coach thing. The thing about what Dan saying as well is so important, because, like, Obviously, I'm not a coach, in it? But I know for a fact, with the ability like players like Reese James have, where they're so comfortable right back, even the right centre-back probably be very comfortable, even as a centre-back comfortable. There's things you can do, there's ways you can set up, there's instructions you can give to those type of players to help people like Havertz in a 4-3-3 when, say, for example, like Dan saying, when you, you want to prevent things like that happening when he's coming too deep, um, giving the ball away. Players like Reese James, they stop things like that from happening because they are a little bit more intelligent on the ball. They have got the ability to... to um, you're not necessarily knocking it long, but you've got the ability in terms of your passing ability to, to put it in a certain area to get the, the, the opponent turning and, the other way. And just but to clip it down the line, bro. Like, just the capacity yeah. to clip it down the line, bro. Like, yeah. Reese but James has got that capacity. Well. Yeah, and, and Reese is comfortable under pressure relatively on the ball. So... When you've got an Aspilicueta who keeps getting it and launching it, you know what I mean? It, it, does, it does cause a bit of issues. But it, 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 that 3-3, that 
yes, I'll give Lampard a little bit of leeway simply because I know a lot of those errors were individual errors. And I try not to, I try not to um, allow Lampard to fall onto those excuses because he does fall onto it a lot. Um, as that's literally his favourite go-to bar. Um, but it was a disappointing draw, really and truly. People are dropping points all over the place. And I feel like the points that we've dropped not good enough considering that I just I feel like it's, it's just not good enough considering that everyone really is dropping points but I feel we've dropped them in the most disappointing way I feel like, I don't feel like we've had like a you know we've been smashed all over the pitch I feel like we tend to be doing okay and then it just seems like we just don't manage the situations in games well um, but fortunately does anybody want breakfast guys Let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fortunately, well, we've got a, a Sir Mendy back. Um, and that leads us quite nicely onto the Sevilla game, um, which was, uh, again, a bit of a far cry from what we saw against Southampton. Um, a lot more solid. Jay, how did you find the game? Uh, because for me, I thought it was, it was awful, but we looked a lot more assured. Thiago Silva came back into the fold. Mendy came back yeah. into the fold too. It's incredible how those two players really, and Rhys James as well, it's incredible how those three players really came back and suddenly we looked a lot more solid and resolute. Um, but yeah, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, con- a contrast from, I feel like, not a complete contrast, but like a lot of it was quite different to the Southampton game where when it got to that back line, I wasn't as nervous as I was before. I think I was even more confident when I see Mendy slap the ball out and like pretty much like flipping, claw the ball out from the net in it. And I was just thinking, geez, like we've actually got like a serious keeper. Like he's not just no any guy as well. He looks like he's a decent, decent keeper. Do you know what I mean? So long may it continue. But um, Chilwell again, I think definitely have to give props to Chilwell. Like he's he's been quality since coming in. I didn't even think he didn't even think he was going to be as good as he's been these first few games. Um, but he's he's definitely added something to the team. He's an interesting one, Chilwell. I feel like a lot, but well, I wouldn't say a lot of us. I feel some of us, and myself included, didn't really. I won't say give him a chance because I've always when he came in, I said, okay, you know what? He's got his guy. Lampard's got his guy. We'll give him a chance to show what he can do. Um, before he came, I definitely wasn't his biggest fan. I wasn't rating him at all. Um, but one thing that I can definitely say is that he's definitely surprised me not only in his defensive capabilities, but his comfortableness, that he's so comfortable on the ball. And I think mm-hmm. that's really, really important. I feel like we've lacked that so much from left back. We're so used to our left backs being quite sloppy. But one thing that Chilwell gives you is an assuredness. And he's very assured in his play, very comfortable and very resolute. And that's one thing that it is refreshing to see for us. You know what I mean? And it may not be that he's like a super, like supreme left back, but He's so like a marked improvement on what we had before. Um, and he gives a degree of just technical security and solidity defensively. And I thought one thing that is a great thing about him 
in the air, he's very, very good. Very good. I think that most most games I see him like beating his wide man in the air all the time. You know what I mean? So he gives us a lot a degree of defensive security as well. So, sorry, Dan, go on. Yeah, so like like you said, you've got someone that aerially, defensively could help you. But you've also got someone, like you said, I didn't know he was that good on the ball. Technically, his feet are really good. His, his feet, I see him switching in between in tight areas. But apart from that, Zuma scored two goals this season and he should have had a couple more. The corners that Chilwell takes mm-hmm. in terms of and don't get aerially is amazing too. So uh, you're talking about someone that's fit. You're talking about someone that creates chances. You're talking about someone that comes for Zuma. Um, was it in, against the Southampton game when Zuma lost it? So like, yeah, my praise for um, Chilwell and that signing. Now I was never necessarily against the signing. What I didn't want is that Lampard just to buy him because he's English. I I don't watch Leicester enough. In fact, the few times I watched Leicester, he played good. Um, but I was just saying, listen, of all of the left-backs we've got, I just hope that they pick the right one and it's not necessarily this is the English one. From what I've seen of Ch- from Chua so far, there's no complaints at all. He's been one of our best players. He adds so much to our game. Um, I think, yeah, solid I, think, I do think that's a bit of a... I would say it's a little bit rudimentary because I, I don't think it is just a, an English thing. I don't think it would ever would have been just an English thing. To be fair to Chilwell... He has always been coveted as one of the best left-backs, and I guess potentially one of the best left-backs in the Premier League. Um, but he's always been looked upon in that regard. Um, so I, I wouldn't ever think the English thing... No, no, no. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say... But it's that. just your hope. Was... You hoped it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, ho- I hoped fair, it was... I had an inkling of that as well. So okay, yeah. Yeah. Fair, 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 fair. Yeah. 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 My thing is, I, I, get, I get that you might want to buy the best of English, but I'm just saying it's a global market. So if yeah. there's a great left-back... Let's, Let's not even play. Let's try and get the best we can get. But I think yeah. that from what we've seen so far, we're all happy. Yeah, I think I think he costs what forty-five million pounds. And again, people haven't mentioned the price tag. I feel like it's very com- everyone's generally quite comfortable paying crazy prices for people as long as they perform. You don't actually ever mention people's prices if they perform well. You know what I mean? So I think exactly. So I I feel like no one's going to mention a team of Werner's price tag, in my opinion, because I think that he's got the capacity to score a bundles of goals. No one's really going to mention Chilwell's price anymore because I feel like if he continues in and and continues his form, I don't think people will mention the price. Generally, it'll be forgotten. I just think it's one of those things, and that's why Kepa were almost were almost reminded of his price because the level of quality that we got and paid for. In relative to how he performs, whew, it's incredible. It's incredible. So yeah, Chilwell has been an absolute standout for me personally. Um, but yeah, sorry, Jay, what, what were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say, and to couple that, like obviously, I think Reese James has come back, and he looks like he's focused a lot on his defensive side this season. And I think, um, like mm-hmm. we saw him against, we saw him for England. I know that match is gone. We're not going to talk about that match, but he had a crazy performance for England mm-hmm. in, in that right wing back mm-hmm. role, especially it being the right wing back role where we as Chelsea fans know he struggled a lot in that position. And to, for him to have a stormer like that was good to see. But then that is kind of why I wanted him to play the Southampton game because I wanted him to come straight off that and continue yeah. that kind of form. You said it. Confidence. Do you know what I mean? Like. Keep improving, keep improving, keep working on your defending. Because the, I, I feel like with James, I think with Wigan, the, the, the best thing for him was that he was playing week in, week out. They looked at him like a superstar. They looked at him like a leader. Do you know what I mean? And I think if Chelsea do the same thing with James, I feel like we're just going to see 
a monster, a right back. Do you know what I mean? I feel like we really got a proper game in these James at right back. And I think we all yeah. know that, obviously. But with players like Lamptey, and rightfully so, he's been getting mad play. Mm. With players like Lamptey playing the way they are, you know, Reese James is going to have to start showing why we we put so much faith into him. And I'm just happy to see him working on the weaknesses of his game a little bit and coming into the team and, and performing. Yeah, well. I feel that's a... I guess we could go back to the, the Sevilla game because um, Reese James w- was superb for me. Um, defensively, he was, he was incredible. Um, not because um, he did anything like out, super outstanding, but he locked down that side. I felt like yeah. he was he locked down that side and Sevilla are a yeah. very technical side, very intricate, but he looks so comfortable. And that's one thing that we've always been worried about with Reese James, his 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 focus and I guess the, the cute play around him, it can get him into trouble quite a lot. Um but he dealt with that side. That side of the game, I, I was super impressed with because he dealt with the cute things, like you know, just stepping in at the right time and just looking at the runners, tracking the runners, tracking the movement. That that was a marked improvement on Reese James and what I saw last season. Reese James, obviously going forward, is fantastic. We know he's got a wand of a right foot. We know that we've seen his quality, but the defensive aspect, I felt like last season especially, he can be quite like he sleeps. In certain instances, and you know, he's not always switched on, but this season, in particularly against Sevilla, he was pretty much alert to every bit of danger that, that came his way, yeah. which is a marked improvement of what I've seen before. Dan, what, what do you think of Reese's performance? And I yeah, guess, yeah. do you think that now this really should solidify his, his spot at our, as our starting right back? So, I agree with you in terms of for me, this was a right back performance. A lot of the times when we talk about Reese James, it's, it's him hanging um, up the field, doing crosses. This was a right-back's performance. I don't know whether it's because Acuna was given him, like he was told to look after Acuna, but he was a beast in terms of using his body physically. Um, he was on everything, even just making sure as a fullback the crosses don't come in because any cross, especially with us, I know like we're better now with Zuma aerially, but like the bread and butter, he took care of everything. Even in terms of creating chances, we didn't have that many chances. But there was one time he done a long ball over to Werner. Werner almost got in. It didn't quite work out. But also there was a time when he kind of done his trademark and got a cross in and Werner did the best of it too. So, like, again, I think both of our backs had great performances. Uh, Jay, you quickly mentioned something about how um, you kind of wanted him to always play. But then if we kind of juxtaposition Reese James with Mount, where it feels like Mount plays regardless Whereas with RJ, there's, there's competition. It's like, he's not just going to play regardless. Therefore, he has to step up. He can't be li- um, a liability defensively. Because for me, I'm always, I was saying, listen, if we're going to have Zip there, or if we're going to have Havertz in, in right central midfield or around that area, then like, we need a solid def- defensive right back. Now, Reese James has had to show, I have to be a solid defensive right back because otherwise I'm out of the team. So I like the fact that he's got competition. I like the fact that Asby can come in. And that's kind of just what I wanted to mention. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. I think, I think that is a, a very good point because, again, I feel like last season, that you actually might be on, like, hitting the money there because last season, Reese James, pretty much when he was fit, he played. You know what I mean? And I think towards the latter part of the season, it was a pretty much a, a just a fair fight between Aspi and Reese James. And Aspi started to win it really in terms of getting the starts at right back um, and sometimes at left back. But generally, um, he, he was getting his he was getting his game. So I feel like 
I guess Lampard is probably seen that and thought, you know what, Aspie's done. He's, been, he's done relatively, relatively decent. He's been solid. Um, I can't lie. Aspie against Crystal Palace was very, very solid. Um, so I, I guess I understood why um, Reese James was playing. Well, no, why Aspie played against Southampton, but at the same time, Reese James had an absolute storm against Sevilla. Um, but I, I do want to talk about our lack of offensive prowess that game. I know it could be said that it was a good point. I, I'm not entirely convinced because at home in the Champions League, you really should be trying to win those games. But after the debacle the, the of um, the Southampton match, maybe Lampard wanted to play with the handbrake on, um, but I think it did stifle um, our, our offensive side. Um, do you feel like right now we're kind of halfway housing things and we're, like, we're stuck in between two ways? Because I feel like we have to be either super defensive to be solid or super super offensive to actually manage to, to get goals, and but then we're gonna leak. Um, Shemi, like, what what are your thoughts? Because people do want to say that oh, that, that was a great solid, you know, great European like performance. Um, but how did you take it? Um, I, it's it's difficult. I took it. I I was happy with the clean sheet and the way we defended because quite frankly some of the defending this season hasn't been good enough but at the same time I don't feel like with the with the talent that we have on the pitch I don't feel like we should be stifled this much just to defend well like I, I don't like that do you get what I'm trying to say I feel like it's very simple to have a balance and um I know last last point I was talking about when I was when I was asked about Mount and him not being used um incorrectly and I said and I said no and then, like, literally, Lampard just came and embarrassed me. In the <laughs> <two games. laughs> but I feel like, literally, yeah, like, so I can hold my hands up on that one and say, yeah, like, completely wrong. But, yeah, literally, as I was watching the Seville game, and it's like, just, something just wasn't right. There was no rotation at all. Like, in, in the, in the um, Southampton game, you saw there was fluidity, there was movement. Sometimes Havertz move out on the right, sometimes purely through the centre. This game, there was no rotation. Literally, Pulisic came over to the left-hand side for, like, five minutes, and he went straight back over to the right, and that's how it stayed for the rest of the game. Like, it was really, really bad. Um... And yeah, the, and like literally, not, not not to pick out Mount, but him being out there, it was literally he wasn't able to offer us anything at all. Oh. But um, yeah, I, I don't think it's just him. I feel like everyone generally had an off night. Um, if you're not in the back four, I don't feel like you really had a good game. I feel like everyone ahead of the defense was pretty average, as Pell said in, in the group chat. I don't feel like anyone would stand out to be honest. So it could be a, a mixture of the two of like everyone just having an off night, and also you know the way we were set up because yeah man it was just it was a contrast from what we saw in the first 35 minutes at Southampton I do think that Jorginho had a relatively decent game again I, I, me personally I thought he was alright I didn't think he was a, a bad bad performer I thought he was quite decent again Thiago Silva I think he's just absolutely superb I think oh he God. gives he gives so much <laughs> bro he gives so, so much so composure <laughs> to our team I can't like, man is doing this without speaking English, bro. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Apparently he's learning like, Bro, I can't. It's so... He has a transformative nature. I think players that are of high elite status have transformative effects on team. I think Thiago Silva is still so good because he has that transformative effect on our side. He brings a level of assurance, calmness, and just knowing when to step out, that capacity, we ain't seen that yeah. since John Terry. We ain't seen that yes. since John Terry. The ability to just step out and know when to just, he got it. bro, <laughs> the ability to just read the play. Like, 
bro, football is a universal language. But he, that's why he can speak it so well. That's why he could bring others in so well. That's why he brings so much calmness so well. Because he uses the game perfectly, bro. It's incredible. And, and he makes, make, even though Zuma, for me, had very sloppy moments that game. Very sloppy. He makes Zuma 10 times better. He makes Zuma 10, 10 times better because Zuma isn't having to worry about what other people are doing. He has to focus on himself. And I think a lot of the time, I guess yesterday, I felt like Zuma, part of, part of the reason why he performed so badly is, for me anyway, I think he was still in the mindset of what happened on Saturday. I think that kind yeah. of impacted him. I think the mistake... I was going to say, potentially, they watched that, South, that Southampton game and thought, and they're we're him. not going to get... We're not going to get anything out of Thiago mm. Silva. Yeah, they're on, sure. they're on him. To, to, they're on pressure him. They were pressuring him. They were pressuring him a also, lot. So on the ball, he was quite he was quite porous. Um, so he was making sloppy mistakes with the ball. Um, but yeah, go on, Shemi. Just quickly on the Zuma thing as well. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember me making one point like on one of the pods a while ago about how Thiago made like Kimpembe a lot more um, assured. He made um, Marquinhos a lot more assured. You know what I'm trying to say? And I feel like that is something that can that can definitely happen with. Zuma and essentially with the Southampton game the fact that Christian was thrown in there because obviously most of us thought Thiago would start until we got the news that oh, you know he'd flown to Peru and yeah just a madness so the fact that I don't think it's going to help Zuma if Thiago's in and out I feel like he, Thiago has to play as much as possible for yeah. Zuma to look alright because if Thiago's in and out and which might well be a possibility because of his age you know injuries or whatever and then Zuma has to deal with one day it's Thiago one time it's Christensen then it could it could actually be like we could see Zuma fluctuate in terms of form. So I feel like the the more that Thiago is there next to him, the the more consistency we might see in Zuma. Therefore, that might lead to the ironing out of mistakes. Hopefully, yeah. Also, I, 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 quite quickly. Go on. So no, I was, I was just going to say quickly. We don't have Thiago Silva for that long. So whilst he's here, we need to get <laughs> as much knowledge transfer. About like, over the <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen, I, I was about to say, and especially given the fact that Christian is very shaky in, in amongst himself, it, it does breed a little bit of um, concern throughout our defence. So yeah. I feel like with with whilst Tomori isn't pristine and perfect, I think Tomori and Zuma have played enough times together to make me realise that yeah, they're a better pairing than Zuma and Christiansen. Um so whenever Thiago Silva isn't there, I really think it should be a Tomori situation. But again, Tomori is looking like he's for what, whatever fifth choice, you know. Because I, I, I'd anticipate Aspilicueta being played ahead of him at right back, at, at right centre back. So it's just it's a bit of a mess there. But yeah, Thiago Silva, imperious. You know what I mean? I feel like the most a bit overboard. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. I was gonna say the most impressive thing about um, Thiago Silva in that Sevilla game was that I think. I'd be surprised if we play a team that moves the ball as well as Sevilla do this mm. season again. Like, you know, you could talk about Man City, but even Man City, I don't think they're moving the ball the same way they were maybe last season or the season before that. I feel like Sevilla, the way they were moving the ball, they were moving it very quickly. They were pressing. Thiago Silva dealt with a lot that game. Do you get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? In terms of if you're worrying about him going up against, I don't know, a Liverpool or um, a City, you know, the top teams in the league, for me, that kind of put me, like, it, it made me very confident about how he's going to deal with a lot of the teams in the Premiership because I don't think they'll move the ball as well as Sevilla do. Do you mm. see what I'm saying? I so, agree. So I, I, I think that's a good thing. 
I agree. I feel like for me, my biggest concern with Thiago Silva is his uh, physicality and how he can handle the, the, the PMP of the Prem. But when you can read the game so well, it I kind of my 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 comfort is is raised. I'm I'm very very much comfortable now because I know that he may not need to resort, you know, and rely upon his PMP to really be comfortable. I think his ability to read the game and settle everyone else around him um, brings me a, a degree of assurance. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he how he can I guess continues throughout the season, man. Because again, like you said, that knowledge transfer is going to be vital. Um, but it seems like he, he's working wonders already, which is, is fantastic. Um, I want to talk about Kai Havertz um, in a severe game. I feel like a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, he, he didn't really do much, etc." I think it's quite weird. I thought, I don't know. People, I think people are trying to rush to criticise him, um, which is a bit of a funny one. But I feel like he's such a superb player. And I feel like he does everything so well generally. Um, but I just feel like, especially with the way that we set up and the way that we try to play against Sevilla, he was never going to have that much of an influence. So I remember there was only one real chance of note that I remember, um, bar the Zuma header, um, was the team of Werner before the, um, before the end of the first half, where he had that half chance to really just smash it on the volley um, in the middle of the box, but he didn't, he didn't take it. But aside from that, 2020 has presented its share of challenges, and some of us are taking a hard look at our future. Can you imagine owning your own business? As an Amerispec franchise owner, you can have more security and control over your future and be there for your community with an essential service year-round. You could join the most recognized brand and home inspection services, Amerispec, and provide peace of mind to home buyers. With low startup costs and excellent operational support, you can be a business for yourself, but not by yourself. Learn more at join. I didn't really see much of Werner. I didn't really see much of Pulisic. Didn't see much of Mount. I didn't really see anything of Mount. I didn't. And Havertz was in and out of the game. Generally, that's because the nature of the way we tried to play and approach the game. And it seemed like after the game, Frank Lampard seemed quite happy with the draw, um, mm. which is a, is an odd one. And you know that's Frank Lampard's first nil nil. I think after yeah. about 60 games, which is a bit crazy. Um, uh, what, what, do you think that this is probably going to be an approach that we take against the bigger sides? Or do you think that maybe um, this was just a one-off thing for the Champions League and he didn't want to really take any risks? Dan? Yes, yeah, so I think last season we saw Lampard changing the actual formation to go more defensive. Mm. I think this season we're going to see changes in the structures. As Shemi said earlier, you didn't really see the players rotating like you did against Southampton. That's because they had man-marking instructions. Mm. Um, you say that Pulisic didn't see much of him, but don't forget, he was playing the right. I think when he went to the left... He looks yeah. a lot better. Yeah, yeah he immediately started to take it on. The pitch seemed wide. Like, it mm. seemed like more creations. But like, like Shemi said, he went back to the right. So... I think it was definitely Lampard's thinking to last season where the Valencia loss in the first game, that pass on the back foot. A lot of pressure, yeah. Right, so I think that he's just thinking, okay, for this, especially this European match, I even agree with him, it's a European match. The first thing you want to do is make sure you don't lose. I know that's kind of negative, but at the same time, look, they, scored, they almost scored a worldie. I don't know if you guys remember, I can't remember who yeah. it was. Yeah, it was the, the, the yeah, from the yeah, right yeah. back. Yeah. 
Exactly. Mm. And we lost that we lost that Valencia game, I think, to one good goal. I don't think they had many chances. We oh, lost yeah. it to one good goal. So in fact, yeah. against Valencia, they had no chances apart from that free mm. kick. Exactly. Free kick was exactly. So mm. a lot of people would like to say, Oh, this is shows an improvement from last season, but actually like it's it's not that dissimilar from the Valencia match. We're lucky that to come away. A chance didn't go for them. Maybe a chance didn't go for us. But like like uh, Meads was saying, we didn't really create that many chances. I think we need to figure out how to create. Like I said in the Southampton game, Werner had to create his own chance, or there was a long ball. I don't necessarily think there's ways to get Werner chances at this point. So yeah, it was it was a poor attacking performance in general. But I, I think that is just the the structure, um, the instructions that listen. Let's concentrate on the clean street um, sheet first and foremost. Just, just on that point about, um, sorry, creating free means about creating chances for Werner, this is why I feel like even more Havertz coming deeper would benefit us because Havertz passing has been superb. Even last against and um, Southampton, but the way he's able, he's passing is just is so on point, so pinpoint. Yeah. And I feel like if he sometimes can drop in and just see like, the picture a little bit more, as opposed to just being close to Werner and being a goal for it, he's another person that can drop that ball over to Havertz. Whether it just be in Georgina, because no, Kante is not going to do it um, from deep. He might do it if he gets close to the final third, potentially, but we can't rely on that. Georgina is going to do it from deep, we know, when he sees the opportunity, but rely on him. So if Havertz can drop in and use his passing, because his passing, from what I've seen so far, is brilliant, and he has the vision to do it, then that could be a creative outlet as well for, for Werner. Completely agree, completely agree. And this is why, again, this is why I championed the 4 3 3, because it allows him to. I think people don't understand how dynamic this kid is. Like, Havertz is super dynamic. No, for real. His ability to for run real. with the ball, carry the ball, pass, uh, is literally exceptional. So I just, I think you almost waste him a bit playing him in the 10. I think you, you, you take away so much of what's good from him. And that's not to say that he's not a superb 10. He's amazing there. But could, I think as an eight, he could do so much more. And he, the- it opens up a whole different door you know, and it's a, a different realm of what he's capable of. You know what I mean? The league as well. I think, you know, in terms of the way the league's changed, I know Dan spoke about Bundesliga earlier and saying how that's the league you go to for, like, when you want to see an open game, mm-hmm. loads of goals. For Havertz being a 10 in Bundesliga makes sense because the amount of times they, 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 they get the ball in transition and they're, they're on the attack and you've seen how Havertz does them them kind of long-busting runs, long strides. He gets up the pitch very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that will often result in a goal or an assist from him. Do you know what I mean? In terms of somebody else getting on the end of it. But here, it might be a thing where teams, you might not have that much green. Do you get what I'm saying? To run into. So it might be a thing where he doesn't, he, like him dropping deeper sometimes might benefit him in terms of seeing the picture. Because like, we might need somebody to drop deep and, and be a little bit more creative. Because the other thing is, Jorginho, they know Jorginho is the guy. He's been here for like two seasons now. So Havertz is not the guy right now to them to, to chase after in terms of stopping him from playing the passes and that. Mm. They know he's dangerous, obviously, but they know what Jorginho is about more so. That's why he's been a target for teams for like, not a target in the sense where he's a weakness, but in target, a target in the sense Man where... Not. You stop him, yeah. If you stop him, you stop Chelsea playing. Whereas if they're focusing on Jorginho, but then you've got Havertz floating about trying to make things happen, then it might be a thing. It might be a thing where it could work out, but we'll have to wait and see because I do feel like in the ten he can be just this, a this, this is what I said about Havertz. It's it's another thing in terms of Lampard and options. 
Havertz is exceptionally can be exceptional number 10. As we saw in the Bundesliga, still could be exceptional number nine. Also, it depends on what Havertz you want. And I think it's just down to Lampard to say, okay, where can I use him best? Do we need him for the creativity? Do we need him for the goals? But I think that that kind of work needs to happen and then that needs to be, um, that needs to be put in place. In terms of Havertz, for me, for me, I think we should get someone else to bring it up. I know he can do that. Um, but I just feel like if we... Like, I want him in the free. I want him in the free, so I don't mind him in the free. Um, but I don't necessarily think that we should make him the playmaker because I think that if, if he's the one that always has to get on the ball, I don't think that will work. I think we need someone else to draw the attention so that Havertz can be the free man that, to make the final pass. I think when it's, everything's being played through him, I don't think that's a good idea at all. We'll, we'll, well see how it goes well, well, obviously, with the return of Hakim Ziyech, you know, he's played the last two games and sub-appearances. Sub um, is there not a question where Hakim Ziyech is generally a playmaker? Um, he's the type of player that always wants to try and make things happen. Um, and I don't think we could, you know, read too much into the reports about Hakim Ziyech, um, Pulisic and Hudson Odoi being the the right hand side options, and you know those, those those are the three that are battling now. And Mason Mount starts on the left all the time. Whatever. I'll stop watching. Bro. Um, I'll stop yeah, watching. I mean, I don't, we can't read too much into that. That being said, whilst you have a four three three, and you've got Hakim Ziyech on the right and Kai Havertz on the right hand side of a midfield three, again responsibilities, options, rotation, capacity mm. to rotate in that area of the field where they're effective and again face the play where the pitch is open to both of them on their left foot for me mm. it seems like a better option more than anything else. <clears throat> more than anything mm. else not to mention that it gives you a bit more solidity in the midfield creatively and your ability to progress play already opens up um how how have you found Hakim Ziyech's I guess two Two latest appearances, I guess, two two you know de- debut appearances in the Champions League for us in the in the Premier League. How, how have you found him? Do you feel because obviously he's still finding his feet? Um, but what do you think he can actually bring to us? I'll, I'll go. With I think it will leave it, leave it, alleviate the the Havertz pressure yeah. for one. That's what I alluded to last podcast. I think last podcast when I said that I feel like was too centred around him. So I feel like his creative creativity. So from what I've seen Hakim Ziyech, yeah, like if he's he's given time on the ball, he's looking up and he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna rack across him. Like yeah. whether he's at the whether he's at the byline or whether he's like approaching the ball or whatever. Like wherever he is, he's gonna swing across him. You know what I'm trying to say? And that extra dynamic of his passing is gonna bring is gonna bring trans creation and creativity. So with him coming in, it's it's a good thing because I feel like then there's, an, there's another creative outlet yeah. and not everything's just going to go through the middle of the pitch. Again, rotation as well because ZH is someone that's very fluid. He can come in and, you know, he can come in and he can make, he can pop things in and ever go back out wide or whatever. So, yeah, um, I think it's, it's, it's it can only be a positive because from what we've seen of him, we know he's a brilliant player and um, I think more chances, more chances and that can only be better. It can only mean more goals, hopefully. Dan, what are your thoughts on Ziyech and do you think he could pretty much alleviate, well, not alleviate, but assist, <laughs> you know, king of assists, um, <laughs> yeah, do you think he can assist um, in, our, in our creative um, problems? Because I do feel like right now we're struggling quite a bit to really carve out chances and carve teams apart. 
Um, we do it in, yeah. in, in spells, um, but on a consistent basis. I feel like, do you feel like Hacking ZH can really provide that um, creative thrust that we're, we're quite clearly lacking? Yeah, 100%. Obviously, that's, that's ZH all over. But um, ZH, what he does is, I remember I was at the Southampton game. The first thing he done was like, he done a through ball and no one was expecting it. And ZH, yeah. ZH, ZH was like, yeah, he was, he was like, mm. yeah, I'm here. This is, this, is what, this is what I've come to bring in it. Like, mm-hmm. why, why did you chase that? And everyone was like, rah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's not just, it's not just CH crossing. Um, he'll come in the middle, he'll do through balls. And kind of what I was trying to say earlier in terms of it can't all go through Havertz because then there's no creativity. There needs to be kind of spontaneity. It's almost like we was a bit predictable with Hazard, but he had the dribbling skill to get through it. But everybody knew everything was coming through Hazard. Why not with Havertz anymore? And I think the good thing about having Ziyech and, and Havertz um, together, and I think Ziyech will be the main playmaker um, because he's the one that's going to fall. Like, with, with Havertz, he might do a quick pass. But no, Ziyech is going to like, how do I get this striker through on goal? That's, that's the first thing that he's going to execute. Right. And so, yeah, um, I don't think we've seen a good performance. Obviously, they're both cameos. I know that he definitely has to get up to speed in terms of physicality. Um, but yeah, I do... I do want Ziyech and Havertz to play regularly together because it's going to be difficult to find out that relationship. Who should kind of go back? Who should go forward? When do I release you? And that, that needs to build, that relationship needs to build up. So I don't necessarily want to see Chocolate interchange. I want to see, as long as they're playing as long good, as they play I want together. to see that. That's what I mean. Uh, quickly, yeah. As long as they play together, as long as they play together and build relationships, I think they're going to be a very dangerous duo um, together. Not to mention Timo Werner, because Timo Werner and um, Havertz seem to already have built some form of decent connection between themselves. Because they're good players. Generally, good players connect naturally. Um, so I really do hope that it is a situation where ZH is playing on the right-hand side regularly. And um, yeah, just remain, remain for the left-hand side to, to, be, to be decided but yeah, go on, Shemi. Just, just yeah, just quickly, just to, um, echo Dan's point about um, ZH being creator. I agree with Dan. I feel like um, ZH will be the main creator as well, and I feel like Lampard probably see, sees Hazard as a secondary goal scorer. That's probably why he's resisted him so much in the ten. Do you get me? So, and um, also, you know, the Liverpool game, second game of the season, he played Havertz um, yeah. false nine. Yeah. So he's obviously watched Havertz um, in Germany play false nine. Like, well, I don't know anyone who watched Bayer Leverkusen post lockdown yeah. who watched him play false nine. Many quite a few goals. I feel like a lot of that's in Lampard's head. So he probably sees Havertz as a secondary goal scorer. That's probably why he's persistent with him yeah. down in the middle. I'm not bringing him back. I probably want to see actually be the creator, but... It's true. Yeah, However, Jemmy, he's Frank Lampard. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not saying... I'm... I know. I know, but I just... You know what I'm saying? So, like, there's a little bit of you don't have to... Okay, you don't have to. I agree. Here's what yeah. I'm saying because you can almost... Look, here's this. 4 2 three, one. When you play four attackers, what does that mean? It means that the other team has to have more bodies back because you've got four attackers there, which means mm. there's less space for these attackers to go. So, like, there's a little bit of don't be so deliberate. Yeah. Bring Havertz a bit back so he can move into space Fact. rather than forcing him. There needs to be. Sorry, a, gonna... There needs to be a little bit of give and take, and I feel like Frank mm. is being a bit too much and giving a bit too much. And when you're again. When you're put, when you're playing with a again, when you're playing with four, especially when you're you're the aggressor. Generally, most teams are going to sit back. There's going to be less space to operate. There's going to be less um, room for your your I guess your stars to really show what they can do. Now, I think 
not only are you forcing, uh, uh, I guess, a, a player in terms of out wide, in terms of Mason Mount out there, who's not really going to offer much, but then you're also forcing another attacker. So when things break down, which they invariably do because nothing's ever perfect, teams are straight onto you. Yeah. Literally straight onto you in transition. And you know in this Premier League, this is the, pre- this is the, the PMP Prem. Like, when it comes mm-hmm. to transition, <laughs> it's all over. And again, if you add pressure into our midfield, which is not very solid at all, we can't really handle that. So it just, it, yeah, it, every all roads lead to a midfield three looking a bit, it just seems to address so many of our issues. Yeah. Not just solidity, but mm. creativity as well. But yeah, go on, show me. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I think the one example came to mind. I think one team that, that managed to make the front four work really well was um, a Mancini's Man City when they had... Um, Aguero, Silva, Yaya, Nazari, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all give and take Jekyll. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like, especially on the Habits conversation with him playing 10, like, if you watch that, like, that team, yeah, David Silva, he wasn't always up Aguero's bum, you get me? Like, yeah, he'd, yeah. he'd come back and he'd pop it with yeah. Yaya. He might come to the left and link up with Nazari. Do you get me? Like, that, and that, is, that in itself is creating space. So, as you said, Dan, like, Thanks. coming back and then just to go forward, like, it, seriously, like, it yeah, makes a lot of sense. You know Ziyech, yeah? Where Ziyech will be key is that it's going to sound mad, but I don't think he receives instructions well. Meaning... <laughs> meaning... <laughs> meaning that... Uh, hopefully, hopefully it don't mean that he's not in, not in the team. But for me, mm. I like a player that sometimes just does his own thing a little bit. Like, Max. he believes in his source, he knows what he's doing. If he sees certain things happening on the pitch, he's intelligent enough to say, you know what? These men are crowding my space a little bit. Let mm-hmm. me go here and do my thing here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like ZH is that guy that's going to do that. I feel like he's going to be like, listen, I've got you. Lot. So you need some time, bro. Funny enough, funny enough, a lot of his ex-coaches have said that. You just need ZH yeah. to do his thing because he's yeah. so intelligent. He knows what he needs to do. Why would you try and bombard him with instructions? I'm really hoping <laughs> that Frank doesn't try and do that. I really hope. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, oh, yeah, press, press. No, shut up. Let the man do what he needs to do. Legit, let the man do what he needs to do because he works hard anyway. We don't need to be saying, oh, yeah, press him 100 miles an hour. We've already got Mason Mount doing that on the left-hand side, if that's what you want. But, but let's not do that on Hakim Ziyech. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. We've got a big game against Manchester United this Saturday. And, you know, Manchester United just come off, off the back of a, a big win against Paris Saint-Germain and we've come off uh, I guess a little bit of a whimper against Sevilla um, how are you guys going to line up and how do you think you're going to line up there's, there's differences here because you know <laughs> you know that certain people are going to start regardless now <laughs> how would you so there's, there's going to be two questions here how would you set up in this game would this be a game that you give um, Hakim Ziyech's debut Premier League debut full debut or again would you try and tweak it because I'm quite comfortable with Timo Werner standing up front, but um, we'll start with Jay. How do you start? Um, and how do you how do you how do you propose we approach the game? Do you think we'll approach it like Sevilla, or do you think we'll be a bit more open and try and be the the team, the aggressor, um, to try and get the win? What are your thoughts? I I think I'll ask I'll answer the second question first. Like, I think we will. I think Lampard, funny enough, will try and be the aggressor, and I just think that right now. The reason why I think that is because right now I do think he's a little bit on his high horse at the moment because he's got all his signings in. Mm-hmm. I feel like he thinks he's going to be able to take, you know, he's going to be able to take United, not to the cleaners, but 
I think he feels like there's some joy there for Werner, for Havertz, and um, maybe even for Pulisic or, you know, I'll show it anyway, because you never know. But <laughs> like, <laughs> like if, if them guys start, I do feel like there is there is a possibility that we can hurt United with our attackers this season. With Ziyech starting on the right, so I'd go for the same team, basically, as what played against Sevilla. So I think it was it's the back line that we all want, with mm-hmm. James at right back, Mendy mm-hmm. McGoal, obviously, Chua, left back, Thiago Silva, Zuma, centre back. Centre mid, I'd carry on with Kante and Jorginho, mainly because I feel like, I don't really feel like they have played bad. Do you know what I'm saying? They've just been, just been victims of maybe... I feel like maybe wrong instructions at the moment. I feel like they're just getting a few too, few too many. Like, they're being asked to do a lot. It's a lot. And, you know, what can you do? We're limited with midfielders. Um, Kovacic has, hasn't really had a flow to the start of the season. Them two have. So I just go with consistency and start those two. Um, and then, yeah, Ziyech on the right, Havertz 10. And I'll just go all out and play. To be honest, right now, for me, fitness-wise, I'd play Cho in it. But... The likelihood of that happening right now is probably quite low. So I'd say just go for Pulisic and let him do his thing on the left and let's just see if he can kick on from last season and doing his thing there. And then um, Werner up top. Because I feel like Ziyech will... I think those defenders and Ziyech's vision and that, I feel like, yeah, Ziyech can make something happen. But it remains to be seen in it. Hopefully, hopefully we get the win. Yeah, it's, it's interesting considering that what Spurs did to Manchester United away from home... Um, it's going to be interesting to see the approach. Dan, um, how would you approach the game and how do you think Frank's going to approach the game? Do you think he's going to be a little bit more reserved or do you think he's going to try and go for it and get the win? Man, I hope he's not reserved. Um, uh, I, I would say he'd be a bit more aggressive um, just because it, it's more in fitting with his character. I think Champions League, he was scared because of last season. That's why it was reserved. But and I know Liverpool again. He was a bit scared, but like I just need him to be a bit braver. So I'm hoping he's brave for the United game. What I'd do is I wouldn't start Ziyech. I know after the game, Lampard said Ziyech needs minutes on the pitch. I think Ziyech himself he said that the reason why he came on was for match fitness. So I don't anticipate him starting. Um, I think Pulisic has played well in both games, the Southampton game, and obviously none of the attackers cover themselves in glory but I think out of all the attackers he kind of makes things happen there's, there's something I noticed in both the Southampton game and United game in terms of when he receives the ball on the run so that for that third goal that he scored against um, South, or that he kind of created against Southampton and there was a chance he created for Werner when he's receiving the ball on the run like it's amazing so I'd start Pulisic on the left I'd start Werner up top um, I would go with I'd go 4-3-3 three, three. Um, so Pulisic, Werner, maybe Havertz on the right. I don't know, maybe. Um, and then I'd try a three of Kovacic, Kante, Jorginho, and then the back four we all like and the goalkeeper we all like. Oh, fair enough, Shemi. Um, how, how would you set up? How would you approach the game? Um, and yeah, basically, can, same question I asked the, the boys before. Do you think Frank is going to try and be a bit more reserved? like the severe game, or do you think he's going to try and take it to them and be a little bit more aggressive? Um, I think he's going to be on the aggressive in this game, um, simply because I feel like he'll look back at the way we beat United in the semi-final. Uh, we were we pressed them to death. like We pressed them completely off the pitch. 
and we were very much on the aggressive in that game. I feel like that would be a bit of his mind. Same way that um, Dwayne Jose spanked them 6-1. Again, high press. They couldn't deal with that press. So being on the aggressive is absolutely the way forward, and I feel like he'll, he'll adopt that approach. Um, yeah, similar to the boys, I feel like um, the same, that same back line of Sevilla. Um, now, differing from Dan and Jay, I'm, I'm really tempted to throw Kovacic in the double piv because I don't feel like he's going to go for a free. So I'm tempted to throw Kovic in the, in the double pivot because I feel like the problems that we have with game management and control when when we have to suffer, I feel like he he goes he he can contribute to to um to solving those problems simply because he is very good at alleviating pressure. You know when he dribbles when he dribbles out under pressure. Have like think back to remember the semi final? He was absolutely outstanding. Him and Reese James, he was tough up between them two for a man and match. He was absolutely outstanding. And just the way he alleviates pressure, I feel like is key for game management and for control. So, him dribbling that with the ball, winning tackles, all that sort of type thing. So, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm really tempted to throw him in there. For Jorginho, I can't take I'm not sure which one, so but okay. I would be tempted to play him. So, so with that, and just, just quickly, just with yeah. that, um, yeah. yeah. So would that be a four-two-three-one? It would, yeah. I would play a three of Havertz, Jorginho, yeah. and then probably Kovacic. Yeah, can take give or take, but I am tempted to put in Kovacic because I just feel like he he looks after ball a bit better. Um, and I, and in terms of Jay, when Jay said about Cho on the left, I I completely disagree with that. I don't feel like this is the game for Cho because. Cho is a 1v1 winger and I don't I don't really see him getting much play out of Aaron Bissaka. I can see him getting quite frustrated. Whereas Pulisic is someone that he's, he sees, like Dan said, he's quite intelligent. If he sees this is not a 1v1 thing, he's going to come inside. He's going to kind of like link up with Werner, be a bit close to Werner, try to be a bit more of a goal for it. Whereas I see Cho as someone that's going to stay out wide rather than try and support Werner instead of, and he's just not going to get any drive around Bissaka. I don't, I, I, I can't see that happening. <laughs> and that's not damning on Cho, because yeah. Cho is a fantastic one one player. Considering a, a certain Kylian, killer Mbappe. You know what I'm saying? Killing Mbappe, exactly. Mbappe struggled as well. Yeah, so um, I would go Pulisic on the left. Yeah, Pulisic on the left. I'd start Ziyech personally. I think it's time to throw him in there. He's had international duty. He's had two games off the bench. And it went right from. I feel like. I've had enough. You know what? He's had enough. Jeremy's had enough. He's like, you know what? I can't see no more. Yeah, I can't, bro. Just, just, bro, throw in my boy. Bro. I hear you, though. In regards to the Hudson thing, I definitely hear you because Aaron Wambasaka, as much as he's had his criticisms this season and last season as well, he's an excellent 1v1 defender. Excellent. And whilst Cho's not really featured much in the last couple of games, um, I feel like you really need to be in, on, on your rhythm, really and truly, especially yeah. on a 1v1 type of situation. You need to be in your flow to really try and test someone that's as good as, as Aaron Bissaka 1v1. And uh, as we found the other day, he locked up Kylian Mbappe to the point where Mbappe was asking his fellow teammates to switch positions. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. 
Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. <laughs> we, we don't want that kind of we don't want that kind of heat for man like Cho. Yeah, but I definitely agree. I definitely agree in terms of Pulisic um playing on the left. I think I'd be a lot more sensible. I'd be very, very stunned, um mm. and shocked, mortified if I see Mason Mount come up against Al Wan Basaka. I'd be stunned. Um so oh, because then we start to because then we start to wonder. Are you actually trying to win these games? Sabotage yourself. Yeah, are you trying to win these games? Because <laughs> we have to start a dialogue. We will have, have no, no, no. It will become a dialogue. <laughs> right now, we're allowing Lampard to do what he needs to do. And mm. pretty much without minimal criticism, we're just saying, okay, let him play his team, let him play what he wants to do. But that would definitely be a point where dialogues need to happen. You know, Pudisic back fit. Pudisic back fit. Pudisic back fit. He started the last game. In fact, he started the last two games. If he suddenly doesn't start, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, we'll let, we'll let that one lie. We'll let's let, that, one let's let it happen. We'll let that one lie for now. Dan, Dan tried to save Lampard by saying, oh, Dian Ghana. That's why, that's why it mounts up. I couldn't believe that. Oh, that logic, yeah. Yeah. I was never buying it. I was never buying the whole, oh, yeah, he's playing because, uh, you know, defensively. No, yeah, I was Dian never Ghana. buying it. Can I, can I just emphasise, though, how massive Saturday is, though? I don't feel like... I don't feel like we, we emphasise it enough. Saturday is massive because we've been here before. We've been here before, yeah, where, like, the vibe is, is, is... So it starts off good. Then it starts weighing towards the middle. It's creeping, creeping, creeping. And anyhow, we get spanked. 2-0, 3-0. Bruv, I'm telling you now, yeah, Lampo could be on the ropes. We've been here with... Um, we've been here with Di Matteo. We've been here with um, Golari. Um, Con- Bruv, it takes just... When it starts simmering and that one bad results... The fans aren't there to support him. They can't even sing Lampard's name in support. Yeah. You know what, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Bruv, it's lingering. You can, you can, feel, you can feel the tension lingering you know among crazy? our fan base. What's crazy is it's not just the, the international fans as well. Mm, anymore. The English fans are starting to be Bruv, like... Mm. I'm telling you. The English you know fans I mean? are back in their own. Especially with, the, especially with the news about... The, again, we don't know if it's real stories. We don't know if it's real or true or not. But... Everyone, I think most players recognize that post lockdown, Christian Pulisic was our best player. Everyone could recognize that. So everyone then recognized again uh, two games in a row now where starting Mason Mount on the left ahead of Christian mm. Pulisic, who was quite easily our best player on the left wing last season, quite easily mm-hmm. one of the best left attackers in the league post lockdown. Mm-hmm. So you're moving him, your best weapon from last season, to the right-hand side to fit in a certain man. And then people are starting to question it, like, oh, hold on. So it wasn't a Cho situation where, Mm -hmm. oh, he's better than Cho. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. actually, because there's no way he's better than Christian Pulisic. There's no mm-hmm. way. So they're thinking in their minds. They're doing the cogs are are working in their minds now. It's like oh, it starts, there's no way. He's better turn, Christian. The there's no way. Game. There's no way because Christian Pulisic pretty much helped us win. You know, get top four. So there, there's just like no way. Brilliant. You know what I mean? Like so it's the the cogs are starting to click and turn and turn and turn. And now they're starting to think. Hold on a second. Frank actually might be taking Same a piss here. You know what I mean? So they yeah, start. Yeah, the, yeah. the cogs are starting to turn. They are starting to ask questions, and before you know, it was almost like blind support, and now it's starting to questions starting to be asked. 
I've seen Twitter accounts of English flags in the bio questioning Frank. Coming on to Chessy Hour. They're coming on to Chessy Hour's account and saying, you know what, yeah? Yeah. You know what, man? You might be right, You might be right. Yeah, they're like, we were seeing George and Harry message us like at us saying, oh, you know what, lads, you might be you might be onto something here. And they're like, and they were like, I remember I saw a tweet today. Um, I think it was new. Um, Annie was like, oh, yeah, um, Frank Lampard. He, he, he labelled a little bit of criticism to Frank Lampard. Yeah. And then yeah. I think another, again, uh, an English fan was like, you know what? This is refreshing, <laughs> to, this is refreshing to hear because a lot of people, a lot of people haven't really been critical of Frank. I was like, yo, Ooh. is this what's happening now? You know what I mean? So that's what's oh, fucking crazy, bro. So when Chelly says, this is an important game, it's you've had your point this is why. Because we. I, I refuse to believe Lampard is that stupid. I refuse. It's a, it's a massive game. It's a ma- It's a massive game. And if you think about it, it's a massive game. And Frank is gonna try and play the players he trusts. And we all kind of know that Christian Pulisic, Frank wasn't his biggest fan um, when he first joined. He wasn't. Um, and obviously, Mason Mount was his go-to guy. So. It wouldn't surprise me if Mount starts. As much as crazy as I think it is, and as wild, because tactically, I don't see why he would play or start on the left-hand side. But it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me because the manager trusts the player. So it would not start on the right. Why can't he start on the right? Also, also, it comes to the point where when you play Mount so much, you almost feel like you need him just because that's what you're used to seeing. So you're like, we need him because if not, but then don't forget the 4-0, which is probably our best, most convincing clean sheet and goals, he didn't play. Even play, yeah. So we 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 don't. But the <laughs> we don't need is, him. Yeah, the maddest thing is another manager's gonna come in and play and play Mason Mount centre mid and he's gonna be a good player again. Yeah. Yeah. And people need to understand that Mason he, Mount is a very good player centre mid. Good player, but here's the thing, here's the thing. We're Chelsea, the squad is amazing. We don't necessarily need Ziyech. We don't necessarily... We need Mendy. We need Mendy. But Facts. most players, <laughs> most players Facts. we don't need. Facts. It's just it's just Mendy that we need. Oh, and maybe Thiago Silva. Can we talk about Mendy? Because I feel like Mendy... Did we even touch yeah, on we, Mendy? We've, got, no, we've lost over the brother. So I, I, I want to... No, that means we don't need to. But here's the thing with Thiago Silva and Mendy. The reason why you don't even have to talk about them too much is they don't give you much to talk about. Thank you, thank that's you. That's saying. how it's supposed to be. Just a that's, yeah. that's it, man. Don't make it cool. I just want to say one thing. I just want to say one thing, innit? Because you don't know me and Kepa have had a, a very strange relationship <laughs> ever since the I was on this case from game one. So from game one, I was on this case. From game one. Fam, look. Check, check. I've seen enough in, what, three games to know that Mendy is a significantly uh, better. It is I've mad. Seen, I've, it's significant. And when I mean significant, to the point where it'd be asinine not to recognise it. Mm. I know for certain, for certain, yeah. that deflected Zuma situation, that's 1-0. Yeah. There is no way. There is no I'm way. Lost. I, I'm I lost. know <laughs> that is 1-0. That is 1-0. And then people would say, there's nothing he could do. Mm. There will be people that will say there's nothing he could do. That Mendy flick out and the velocity he got on the ball as well to claw it out, bro. Anyway, I don't scary. need to add any much else. I don't need to add much else. I just know there's levels. Yo, 
Yo, wait, wait, quick, quick. The Sevilla game, yeah? One time they went through, and that, it was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Mendy came out of nowhere. Black. Boom. <laughs> 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 I was like, raw. And, and look, you forget, because we've had Courtois, we've had Chet, but what Kepa makes look difficult, it's not even a situation with a tall goalkeeper. Bam. Fucking out of the air. Remember the compilation, I think there was a compilation before he officially joined, there was a compilation and people saying, oh, he's rubbish on the ball, Kepa's 10 times better on the ball, blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, okay. So then <laughs> I've been waiting carefully you know, to see if he's going to slip up and anything. But if you think about it as well, this is one thing that I've noticed. People think Kepa's good on the ball because he can pass, you know. But think about it. When he's put under pressure, Kepa is horrible. Because I've seen that Mane goal, I've seen that happen many times. Not just them scoring yeah. it. To the point where he makes a massive mistake under pressure. Regularly. Terrible. Regularly. And it happens regularly. When regularly. What people fail to understand is when you play for a big side, it's very rare, especially unless it's in the high-level games, it's very rare that your keeper's under pressure. So when they're not under pressure, they can clip it off. They can clip it. They can pass mm. it. So Kepa will look like an amazing player on the ball. He'll look amazing for Chelsea because he's not getting pressed. But definitely at, at, at Athletic, Bilbao, pressed. When he's getting pressed, making mistakes. Again, Chelsea, when we're playing high-level games, getting pressed, making mistakes. When it's under the cosh, pressure. Getting pressed, making mistakes. Mendy, as again, again, so where you look at him again um, in France, where you see that compilation where he's not really great on the ball, etc., because he's playing for a lower a lower side. You know what I mean? When you're playing for a, a, a poorer side, you're going to get pressed more. You know, you're, the offense mm. are going to try, mm. the other opponents are going to try and press you more. They're going to be a bit more, a bit more aggressive. But at Chelsea, he's going to have time on the ball, and quite I've clearly, he's comfortable. Time. I've taken the time to to learn the correct pronunciation of my goalkeeper. It's Mandy. Because he's French, right? Oh, man oh. like Mandy, yeah? Man like Mandy. Edouard Mandy. Also, yeah. Quickly, 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 quickly. Anyone that says Kepa's is good on the ball, Mandy is levels. Like, already after the tell, he's much better on yeah. the ball. In terms of the part, even just passing, he's much better. So, Fact. yeah. Mm-hmm. Kepa's and also, check for also... Another thing as well, what Jay was saying about um, sometimes you need that player to just ignore instructions and so just do his thing. I don't know if you've got noticed here, but Mendy does, Mendy does that. So, like, there's times here where he's, he's rolled the ball out for a kick and he's telling him, go forward, man, go yeah, forward. I'm not yeah, doing this. Yeah, I'm yeah, booting yeah, it long. Yeah, and he'll just, just, he'll just boot along. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll just boot along. Yeah. So, yeah. He's, 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 he's 27, right? 27, 28. He's already. You can already tell he's got a personality, and he's very, very, vo- like very vocal, bro. Like he doesn't play games. No, yeah. he don't run risks. You know what I mean? But he don't do anything stupid. I'm, I'm wounded. I'm wounded. I'm wounded. I didn't know much about Kepa, so I was like, let's find out. Let's try it. A couple of good things. I thought, okay, cool. So yeah. that's why I'm, I'm trying to protect my heart with Mandy. There was no. There was get, for me, there was fam, no, to... the thing is, for me, there was no. There was not. I saw the first game, bro. I will never forget it. The Mkhitaryan shot. I will never forget it. It, it was. Mm. I still remember it today. I still mm. remember it clear as vividly, day. Vividly, vividly. <laughs> shot. It is vi- like vi- that's two years ago, bro. That's two years ago. Two years. It's ago. safe for me to like Mandy. Two, two years and a month. 
ago. Oh my God. That you happened. Know the you, you celebrate the anniversary. Bro, bro, two years and a month ago, that, that happened, that goal. Uh, there was no way. I said, this, I, I even tweeted it. I'll even wheel up the tweet. This Kepa U is funny. He's a funny <laughs> U. I knew it because you can see there's levels. And when you look at Mandy or Mendy, you immediately, immediately see a solid, at the very least, a solid goalkeeper. I don't want to talk about whether he's top five or whatever. I don't need to even get into that debate. All I can see is a solid goalkeeper. Solid. You yeah. know what I mean? And then I guess that when we're talking on the, the subject of goalkeepers, isn't it damning, absolutely damning, that we have registered a certain Chelsea legend, Munich legend, mm. Petacek, 38-year-old mm. technical director, technical and sporting director, Petacek, in the 25-man Premier League list. Certain clubs leave out people that are on 350k a week and the Edinburgh oh. League squads. We've, absolutely we've enlisted our technical director as playing staff. Do you want to know how damning that is? That is damning on Kepa. That is damning. That is damning to the point where they are looking at Kepa as a sunk cost now. It's sunk cost. He is yeah. that bad. We have enlisted our 38-year-old technical director. That is yeah. insane. Absolutely well, insane. Dan, what are you I'm, I'm, I'm happy it's happened because I'm of the view that Kepa shouldn't even make, be making matchday squads, let alone, the, let, let alone starting. Fact. He shouldn't even be making the matchday squad. He should not. So, 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 this is my problem, Shemi. So, so, this is what frustrates me, yeah? Where people say, oh, no, like, again, it's going to boil back to, oh, no, but he, what, oh, that's all he has. Well, no, no. Whilst Caballero isn't a great goalkeeper, Willie Caballero is better than Kepa by a million miles. It's not even a argument. It's not even a debate. Do you know that Caballero is older than Czech? Yeah, Caballero is 41. He's older than Czech by like eight months, isn't it? So like Czech, yeah. I'd rather Czech than... No, no, no. By three years. By three years or so. Caballero's okay, 30. Caballero's 40. Something. I think Caballero's 39. 39. Oh, is it? Yeah, but you, but, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think he's 39. But you know what? The, the, the crazy thing was, like, it was announced before the Southampton game. As the Southampton, like, the lineups came out, that's when it was announced that Czech was in the squad. And Kepa still, on that game, on his last chance when Czech was registered, <laughs> still messed up. He's done. I don't want to see him again. No, no, no. It was, it was announced. It was announced before Sevilla. Was asked before Sevilla. And the thing about Kepa is, yeah, the thing about Kepa is, it's not even a confidence thing. Like, some certain man might try to use the cop, out, the cop out, like, oh, yeah, like, his confidence is done, so he's going to keep making... No, I, I genuinely don't think it is actually in his DNA to make these mistakes. This is him. Like, we just need to accept that this is actually him. Like, people will say, oh, yeah, under sorry, what he was solid, red his hair. Well, what I would say, what I would say, and it's funny, what I would say... Mr. Sari, yeah, and I'm going to pay him his respects. Mr. Sari definitely needs to be given his dues. Mm -hmm. Not only were we a lot more solid and resolute under Sari with inferior players, not only was he getting the best out of Loftus-Cheek, and not only was he given, uh, I guess, as much as it was frustrating at the time, but not only did he give um, Hudson-Odoi a platform to really showcase and develop and at least have a, a career plan for him mm-hmm. over the next couple of years. I and mean, he may have left, Hudson may have left or whatever, but I'd probably happy if he left anyway. Um, but at least he had something in mind, plan in mind. 
Hazard as well. Hazard as well having his best ever season. I think so. And he <sighs> did all of this. He did all of this having an infit like a, a super super inferior goalkeeper, a disobedient goalkeeper. He did all of this. And he finished, he finished third. Alonso. Yeah, and, and he finished third. And he finished third. And he had yeah, and, well. and, and he won the Europa League. So and, I, and he was a penalty and he was a penalty kick away from winning the the League Cup. I think so, we need some Jews. I think some Jews need to be given to Sari. I understand that Sariistas are probably going to be rejoicing at this. They're <laughs> not Sariista at all. But, but we need to be, it needs to be put into context what he achieved. I don't think that we really put it into context. I know we're all happy that he left to a degree, but yeah. we need to put into context as to what he's done and what he achieved mm-hmm. at Chelsea, considering how handicapped he was. Because I'm sorry, Kepper is a handicap to our team. <laughs> I, he's a handicap to our team. I don't, I don't. And then mm. you add Alonso to the mix as well. Another handicap. To Morata, you. Add Rudiger to the team. Another handicap. Morata. Add Morata too. Another handicap. That, sorry. You know, do you know how many individual errors that is? Bro, bro, that bro. is millions. That's no, millions of problems. That's, that's so. Bro, so one what Sarri did, putting it into context, what Sarri did was superb. Super. One thing I will say though, whilst I agree with that, Sari definitely deserves his dues, and I feel like one time we need like a little segment for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, on a defensive front, hundred percent deserves his dues. But I feel like um, one thing that I'm more happy about on this side of defense, mm-hmm. um, but so Frank Lampard is that. So for, so last season, the first thing I noticed in our first few games last season was instantly our chance creation was just up. Like That's- with Sari, if it was literally has all the that. Like Hazard everything went for Hazard and Hazard Hazard is so elite like at his peak, yeah. That's cool because it can wash in it because Hazard will make it happen and we'll get through the game, we'll win a trophy and we'll finish third. On him. I but I when Hazard left, but, you know what I'm saying? But when Hazard left, yeah, it's like okay, cool. We need to find a way to create chances. And we can't even sign players. And the fact that Frank was able to do that, I feel like he deserves his dues because people will say that. People, people get onto Frank's philosophy, like, oh, there's no philosophy, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, like, when you look at the stats here, I think our XG last season was, like, two goals per game. We were meant to have scored 72 goals. We yep. scored 68. Mm-hmm. Our chance creation was a lot higher than it was under Sarri. Yep. I don't know if you guys remember. There's games, yeah. I remember, the, I remember there's one game. I remember the Fulham game. You remember when we won 2 0 against Fulham and Loftus cheek came off, came, yeah, up, yeah, came yeah. off the bench and scored. Yeah. So we scored very early in that game with Pedro. And... Up until Loftus Cheek scored, which nothing. was in like the 80 nothing minute, there was nothing. There was nothing. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And there were so many games like that. Fact, so I, I think Frank is actually huge as well in the sense of, you know, from the attacking front. Me giving Sari his dues isn't me trying to take away from what uh, yeah. I did. For sure, last season, for me personally, our general attacking play was very, very good. We just always had a problem with finishing our dinner, and you know, we, me, me and Jay have spoken at length about Tammy Abraham and his inability to to read the flight of balls, read the flight of crosses, and I guess instinctive movement towards, you know, scoring goals. Um, whereas, I know, I know we're wrapping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, know, I know we're wrapping up, but also Tammy and Hudson coming on for a minute—that I couldn't believe that. It's terrible. Game. Terrible. So, but again, here we are, and and okay. Do so you know what? Them coming on for a minute isn't bothering me too much, right? What bothered me, the basic, the basic, 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 literally basic fundamental rules of making substitutions, right? 
Most managers, in fact, nearly all managers will never make substitutions when defending a set piece, an, an offensive set piece. Never. Because certain players in that moment have certain rules and certain instructions that they need to carry out. When you're bringing on a brand new player, offensive player as well, what are you bringing them on for? What are you defending a set piece? What are you bringing them on for? They're having to learn how to, who to pick up. They're, they're, there's confusion. What are you doing? He did that. If a goal went in, oh my God. <laughs> horrible, horrible. That's a, that was one of the most basic fundamental errors I've ever seen. Terrible, terrible. I think with, with Frank, no, yeah. I just think like on wrapping this up and all that, I feel like, well, obviously I'm still Frank in and I want him to be flipping successful at the club in it. But what I will say, yeah, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be harsh on it, bro, because I just feel like as much as you are learning and, and you're a young manager and whatever, you've had a whole season to understand what your weaknesses are in the team, mostly, yeah? And you're, like, you're doing things like you're putting Asper Lequeta under mad pressure against one of the best pressing sides in the league. You're, you're not playing a, a very good right-back in Reese James after he's had a very good game before that. Like, these little things that he's doing, you're playing centre-backs in the wrong, like, right-back, um, right centre-back, left centre-back. You don't know who's better where. You see all these little things. You keep making mistakes with these little things and then the big ones like Mason Mount playing left and Pudisic on the right for 70 minutes of the game. Keep doing these little things. You will not be successful as a manager. It's as mm. simple as that. Simple as that. But apart from that, we'll see what happens, innit? But Yeah, we'll see. Enough, yeah, we'll see. I mean, look... We'll see how it goes. Big game against Manchester United. And uh, obviously, we're going to have a pre- and post-game analysis of, of what will be a very deadly day. Um, and it's a big game because obviously Manchester United, if they win, they go above us. Um, currently on eight points. They're currently on six points. So, yeah, if they, if they win, they go above us, which doesn't, doesn't look good considering the start that Manchester United have had. So, big game. Um, and we'll be back next week. Um, and hopefully off the back of a, of a great win. And again, we're going to have a Champions League game next week as well. So, yep, yeah, two games to discuss next week. But yeah, we'll catch you guys later. Peace. You guys later. Don't, forget Peace. Don't forget to share with all your friends and shit like that as well. Yeah, you know. You know the vibes. Like, share, subscribe, etc. But yeah, peace out. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. Sports Social Podcast Network.